Patrick had always take a piss as soon as we <laughs> Is she in there? Yes. She's because she feels comfortable. Oh, okay. Because we're not know. looking at her because we have the screen up. Hello. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you come. <laughs> hi. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Bio Psycho Social. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. As usual, I'm Jordan. I'm a nurse. I almost said I'm Jordan. I'm a therapist. <laughs> and I'm Kayla, a nurse. <laughs> it would be bad news for all parties around. It would. We're very sorry about our hiatus. We tried to record. We were busy. We, yeah, we both planted gardens, and we also tried to record a video game that was really out of, well, was definitely out of my depth. It was hard. It was a Nancy Drew game, and that we couldn't figure out the puzzles. We had to keep looking it up online, so it was probably boring anyway. And then we forgot to hit. No, it didn't record. It just didn't record the screen. Yeah, so it, so maybe we'll try it again with something else for for our patrons anyway, who can see us on video. I think we should um, do the Mary Kate and Ashley one because the Mary Kate and Ashley one would be fun. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, we're ba- we're back. We're back. The fog is lifted. Yeah. But we don't like it, Rock. Um, ugh. I went to Brooklyn during our hiatus. Yeah, you did. I don't know why I said that. Just in case you were wondering what I was up to. Um, I, I did not go to Brooklyn. I got my nose pierced. Oh, yeah. That was during the hiatus. That we was, went to a tattoo convention. Yeah, we went to a tattoo convention. And I got my nose pierced mm-hmm. from a man without a spleen. He was very nice. I was in there for two minutes and learned that he didn't have a spleen because that is the kind of person that I am. Um, so, but enough about us. We're back with what might be one of my favorite episodes. Um, this was kind of one of the best ones we've ever watched. It is about um, the murder of Kenneth Rex McElroy. It was, uh, we used the documentary um, done by Sundance. It's available on YouTube called No One Saw a thing. It's a series. And so this is, I think, season one, episode one. It is. I actually would watch more episodes of this because I really did like it. Interestingly, um, one of the executive producers is Jason Blum, who um, owns the, I don't know what you call them when people, a company that produces things, but Blumhouse. Production company? Production company, yes. (laughs) Blumhouse, (laughs) which produces a lot of horror movies. Oh, really? That's interesting. If you've watched a horror movie on Hulu, you've probably watched a Blumhouse production because mm. there's a lot of them on there. We also so. tried the Dunkin' Refreshers today. We tried all three flavors because Kayla told me to get her one, two, and then decisions had to be made, and I had a coupon. So I bought all three, and all three are delicious, and I'm drinking them all combined together, um, mixed with tequila, and that was really the right answer. Non-spawn. We're not sponsored. Yeah, we're not sponsored by Dunkin' Donuts. So this happens in Skidmore, Missouri in the in 1980. Yes, uh, July tenth, nineteen eighty one. Actually, so I said before, yes, and then it was <laughs> before we were born. Before we were born, Skidmore, Missouri, at that time had around four hundred people living there. And mm-hmm. now, I, the 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 population signs had like two hundred ish. Oh, it's two hundred. Um, it, it started out as four hundred and thirty seven, and it ended. I didn't put what the ending population was. Um, I think it was two hundred and fifty. Yeah, I was around there. Our this town that we're in right now is about sixty thousand, and the town that home, our hometown is about thirty thousand. Right, and my high school graduating class um, had about four hundred people yeah. in it. So, so. yes, so and that was a, it was a big graduating class, but also very small town size. 
So Skidmore, Missouri, which is in the, they showed it on a map, in the northwest corner of Missouri, bordering on Kansas. No offense, Missourians, but I have no desire to go to Missouri. I don't have a desire to go to a lot of places in the United States. Especially in the South. I feel like people in Missouri are like, yeah, we know. We don't want to be here either. (laughs) I feel like I won't go. I I don't want to go to a state where I can't have an abortion. I Uh just always like to have that option. Oh, they Uh have a a yearly pumpkin show. Pumpkin? Pumpkin? Yeah, they spell it like that. P-U-N-K-I-N. Yearly pumpkin show. Oh. I mean, that's kind of cute. Were they carved pumpkin? Were they carved pumpkins? They probably show off the pumpkins that they've grown. Mm. You know, when you go to a fair and a pumpkin is like three Gigantic, times the size of yeah. your body. <laughs> it's yeah. It's something like that. 100-pound pumpkin. Uh, so, <laughs> so this town didn't get famous for good pumpkin things, unfortunately. Uh, the center of our story, the dead person in question, is Kenneth Rex McElroy. They describe Skidmore as sort of being like the wild, wild west, being full of cowboys. Because um, there's really no, I mean, it's such a, it's, this concept is foreign to us because where we are, every town has its own police force, but it's so tiny that they have like a county sheriff. Yeah. So they don't have, you know, yeah, I mean, the, the wild, wild west is right because there's probably a lot of the times where things don't go very well and they don't have enough police yeah Yeah, to really and we'll get in we'll get into all that so rex was a dick yes let me give you the background on kenneth rex mcelroy yes so he was born in 1934 the 15th of 16 children moved back and forth between kansas and the ozarks which is like rural country Mm. Um, I'm fascinated by the Ozarks and terrified of them at the same time. Like, I feel like there's a lot of mountain folks. I only watched, like, about 15 minutes of Deliverance, and then it was, like, (laughs) too much for my sensibilities. Is that where that takes place in the Ozarks? Yeah. Oh. That's why I have that fear, I guess. Mm -hmm. He dropped out of school at 15 and became a well-known thief and troublemaker. He had 10 children with different women. As you do. He met his, his wife, Trina, when she was 12, and he was 35. He followed the school bus home. So he uh, raped her repeatedly. Uh-huh. And then he wanted to marry her. And her parents were like, hell fucking no. Mm-hmm. And so he burned down their house and shot their dog. And then they're like, fine. So I was three minutes into the documentary. And it's three minutes in. My note says, quote, Rex raped a 13-year-old girl, then married her so she couldn't press charges. I said, case closed. Kill him. Yes. And... So the the saga continues. Trina got pregnant at 14, moved in with McElroy and his first wife. He was still married Mm -hmm. to an adult. Uh, His first wife, Alice, he divorced Alice to marry Trina so that she, you know, he couldn't get charged on statutory rape. So he can continue raping her. Thanks. Alice and Trina escaped to Trina's parents' house with um, Trina's newborn. McElroy came and got both of them back and then burnt down the house again and shot the new family dog. Keep so up, yeah, man keep has up raped this. a child and killed two dogs at this point. I'm, it's game Immediately on. Immediately done. It's game on. Immediately I mean, done. John Wick murdered a ton of people over a dead dog. So I feel like... Which is fair. Yeah. And that's Keanu Reeves. Anybody touches any of my animals? Laws or, out the window. Or talks about touching any of my animals. Forget it. For fucking get it. Um, also, you'll notice that the shooting and burning down of things um, really is a pattern here. The people in this doc. Okay, so we get up to present day and we meet probably most of the residents of Skidmore. Salt of the earth people. Boy, did I like them. <laughs> yeah. 
I want to fly. I don't really want to go there. I kind of want to fly out. So I, I want them to fly out so we can hang yeah. out. I yeah. just want to go get beers at a BFW with these people. Mm-hmm. They are fabulous. I Yeah, I'm a big fan of, you, you know, I talk to everybody. Yeah. And I'm a people person and a people watcher. And I talk to strangers all the time. These are the people I would want to get into a conversation <laughs> yeah. with. These are some They're good interesting folk. Folks. Brit Small was my freaking favorite. Brit Small was... Which one was that? He was the Vietnam vet oh, yeah, with the yeah, long yeah. stringy hair and the bald so head on the top. the flag every morning. He sure does. He Yeah, Vietnam vet. And he was in Vegas when they got killed and he was so bummed because he totally would have done it. He said the only thing that they really fucked up on was they didn't murder Trina and they didn't burn down his house. Yep. Yeah. He, yeah. Brit was just pissed. Yeah. Brit, Brit was just pissed that he thought that that's where they botched it up. So the whole, t- yeah. So the whole town, he's, he's terrorized this in this entire town they did talk to trina in the documentary which i don't blame her in the slightest she wanted justice to be served and the town pe- downs people to be held accountable for killing rex she came across as very um stockholm syndrome yeah well i did the math she was so she was 13 when she married him or 14 when she married him 10 years later is when he got killed she was 24 years old and had multiple children and lived with this guy so odds are he was abusing her Mm -hmm. abusing their kids and what other life does she know because she was a literal freaking child she has since passed away Yes, I saw that in 2012. Um, She married another man. I found her obituary. There was no mention of him in the obituary. Um, And they said that that she was a very, very kind woman, would have helped anybody in need. Um, So hopefully she found some peace later on in life and hopefully got some therapy and some help. I felt bad for her during this because she was just... And she was in the car. Well, we'll get to that. Uh, So... (laughs) Brit Small's pissed. And then we meet, oh, Kirby Gosley. I liked him too. He was a fifth generation farmer um, and basically said that, you know, law enforcement didn't do shit, you know, a cab, but also limited resources. Yeah. <laughs> Kirby said his father's told him, well, they blew him away. <laughs> yeah. I love all these people. They are great. Um, then we met Leona who, uh, Leona Hughes, who heard a gunshot on July 10th, 1981, and sent her husband Leland to go investigate. And they found Rex dead as hell in his truck outside of the local bar, which looked like a shed. Yes. (laughs) It looked like a shed. I called it, I like forgot what word to use. I called it the tavern. The local tavern. The local tavern. It was, it was, it was medieval England. It was called e- B. It was called B and G. It was like B uh, and G was painted was on the, the front. Not even yeah. knows what that stands no. for. Bourbon and gin. Beer and guns. <laughs> Big thing in the story. So Rex went to the local bar with his wife. They were. It didn't pass the vibe check. They were told to leave. The entire bar, which was I think the whole town, like 50, 60 people. Which, by the way. Solid chunk of the population of this town followed him out. There was shots and he was dead. Um, While Trina sat in the car next to him. Because, so what the fuck? Prior to... So the reason the entire town was there was because right before everybody went to the bar, there was a town meeting held because, you know, he had this these crimes that we've already talked about in addition to all of these thefts of mm-hmm. people's things, their livestock, stuff like that. He also 
I didn't say this before, but this is like adds to the creep factor. If you didn't already think this man was a creep. So when he was jailed, mm-hmm. Trina and her baby, because they were both babies, went into foster care. And McElroy, um, when he got out of jail, he would stand outside of the house of the foster family that were taking care of her. And he said to them, I will trade you girl for girl because I know where your daughter goes to school. What the actual fuck? But he, yeah. so the boiling point for everybody was when um, mm-hmm. his 14-year-old daughter and his 4-year-old daughter went into a store with Trina and allegedly someone accused the four-year-old of, like, stealing a piece of bubble gum or something like that. That was, like, the boiling point because Trina went over and she was like, are you accusing my daughter, blah, blah, blah. And they got into an argument. He came, uh, Ken came back. Yep. And he saw the owner of the store, Bo Camp. Yeah, I was looking for his name. Who is, like, a stereotypical, in my opinion, like, old Southern man. He's old. Yeah, Yeah. he was old. He was, like... Setting. He was setting on his rocker on the back of the... Yeah, he was on the loading shop. dock in yep. the back of the shop. And he shot him. So Ken shot him right um, in the neck. Mm-hmm. He almost bled out, but he survived. Yep. And so after this happened, um, Ken went to prison for attempted murder, but got out on bail. And people were like, we are fucking done with this, because that kept happening. He would well, go he, to prison. Yeah. He would get out on bail. He would get out of prison. And just keep doing all the stuff that he was doing. This isn't the first time he shot somebody. He shot Romaine Henry with a shotgun in the stomach because he thought Romaine was at his wife, presumably cheating on him, uh, cheating with his wife. He said, I saw your white Pontiac at the house. And Romaine said, I don't have a white Pontiac. <laughs> and he shot him in the stomach with a shotgun. This this is a culture of people that keep guns mounted on the back of their cars. This is a culture of violence. This is a culture of violence. Absolutely. So they had this big town hall meeting and they're like, what are we going to do about this? Mm -hmm. And not saying they came to a decision or didn't. But after that, they all gathered at the bar because they heard he had come back into town and he was at that bar. Mm -hmm. Um, He left. He was like, I'm not going to fucking deal with this. Mm -mm. He got in his pickup truck with Trina and he was shot in the head Mm -hmm. through the back window, I think. Well, they, we don't know, because they surrounded the car. Right. So basically, so what I'm getting out of this are 50, 60 people surrounded the car. And what I think happened is more than one person had a gun. So everybody drew in somebody, in a couple or somebody's shot. So I think everybody drew a gun and everybody stopped, started. And nobody had gun. This was an area of the world. My friend Britt told me this. They didn't register their guns. So you wouldn't have been able to tell from the bullet. Right. And I wouldn't be shocked if they swapped. They swapped guns. And after he was shot, they took all the guns and loaded them up into a truck and sent them out to Wyoming and mm-hmm. threw the one, presumably the one that shot him into the river. I think he was shot by more than one person. Probably. Wouldn't they because- be able to tell them if he had more than one bullet? Oh, he had from a ton a, of bullet wounds. Well, I was going to say from and a, from different directions, but who knows if they did that sort of forensic stuff back then. They didn't have any ballistic studies. They picked up every damn shell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I he got blown away. It was messy. It was a gory mess. So I think they did that so they would have some sort of like emission where they, they don't know who shot him. Right. They don't know who's, you know, they don't know who shot him. And that was the thing. Every, you know, Morley Safer shows up with an ascot on and is trying to crack the case of, you know, of who shot, who shot JR, who shot Rex McElroy. 
we don't know. We don't know which bullet hit him. So that gave them some sort of like doubt or some sort of, I don't know what the word I'm trying to say is. I'm not sure either, but emission or nobody would give anybody up. No. Everybody was very much like, I didn't see anything. I didn't see anything. What happened? Oh, he's I was looking away when it happened. You know, whatever yeah. excuse that they wanted to make. Or I, one of the guys that they interviewed said he went to the town hall meeting with his five-year-old daughter. Yeah. And then he was like, well, this is no place for a five-year-old. So I left. That was Kirby. And they, the, the general consensus, the quote that I wrote down was, it's over. You can sleep tonight. You just have to stand behind us. Because they, because the whole town basically was in on it. Whether you were at the meeting, they had women that ushered Trina out to a bank and they kind of cleaned her up. She pissed herself as you, as anybody would, um, and kind of cleaned her up and got her, and got her situated. And then somebody had to come and pick up all the shells because they didn't find anything and they just left his bloody truck and him there. Um, and before, before they were talking about how like, before Ken came to town, it was that kind of town where you can leave your door unlocked. And they ha- they stopped all of that when he started kind of prowling around because they didn't feel safe anymore. So no. then they felt safe again. Yeah. Um, and this was a big dude. He was 6'2", 6'3", dark hair. Pure- they said he had cold eyes, cold blue eyes. Like <laughs> That reminds me of when we were younger and our friends worked at that coffee shop. Mm-hmm. And we would go visit them. One time I was there and there was like a maybe homeless man mm-hmm. there. And he started talking to me and mm-hmm. I was too nice to walk away, even though everybody else did. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me all of these ridiculous stories that probably weren't true. But mm-hmm. he started talking about his dad and he said, my dad was <laughs> my dad was six feet tall and he had the sexiest green eyes I've ever seen. And I was like, you, your dad, you think your dad was sexy? Like, what? No, he just had sexy eyes. <laughs> what is happening? Yeah, the sexiest green eyes I've ever seen. I also said he he had mutton chops and a tiny penis. He probably did. He looked a little like Jim Jones. He did. He, yeah. He looked also like Elvis. And Elvis also had sex with 14-year-old girls and married him. But that's none of my business. That's not my business. And he victimized women and children and was a career criminal. He just shot people. I wrote that in my notes. He just shot people. And Britt was in Vegas. Uh, oh, did, so since he had a career, a career in criminal, a career as a criminal, not in criminology, <laughs> the perpetrator. He dropped out of school. I don't think he had a degree in anything. A career in criminology, because he was the criminal. Yeah. Um, he had this really sleazy Better Call Saul lawyer. Mr. They called him a slick nickel. A slick nickel. Um, attorney McFadden. Um, who just kept, who was an, a dick, but kept getting him out of jail because this asshole had a lot of money. Because that's what happens when you kill people. You end up with and a lot of money. Shit, yeah. And you steal shit. You end up with a lot of stuff. So he was like, well, he just put a bunch of money on my table. And he and I said, you got yourself a lawyer. It's just like, don't trust yourself to no backward Southern lawyer, Reba McIntyre tells us. Yeah. Yeah. Makes me think that um, there's a one of the lawyers that they use in Futurama is a chicken. It's a chicken guy, but he has like a southern accent. That's what I'm picturing. <laughs> You're picturing the chicken man. Yeah. He had like a bad comb over. It was bad. I liked, oh, and there was a historian who who had really bad, um, who had a really bad spine. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That guy was cool. Yeah, he was cool. And he found, he said that when he found out uh, Rex McElroy died, he said, oh, good. Dad, dad won't lose any more pigs. <laughs> And then the town was just pissed off that there were so many 
media reporters hot shot reporters morally safer this is very much like an area of the world where they don't take too kindly to outsiders no Mm. no and then the town like kind of split you know there was the well no one deserves to be murdered but (laughs) yeah if we're gonna kill somebody it's this guy there was one guy that got tearful about it yeah he was like i don't think that we had a right to murder that man in that way I think the law should have done it. And it's like, they should have. Yes. Yeah. I don't support vigilantism, but they weren't doing anything. That's the problem. No, the law was, no, the police were not doing their job. This because makes, they couldn't. It makes me kind of think about like communities of color who police their own communities because the cops won't come out. The cops won't help them or the cops will cause more harm than they do good. So they just handle their own shit. Right. And you see that a lot in. You see that a lot in large corporations sometimes, too. The higher managements complicate things. Mm. So you just handle it handle it yourself. You take the yeah, you take the law into your own hand. Not the law into your own hands, yeah. but you deal with things on your own because the processes that are in place can do more harm than good right. or are ineffective. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, they were ineffective because he kept getting out on bond. This was a dangerous person that was a repeat offender was committed of multiple violent crimes. He should never have been bonded out. He should never have been bonded out. Right. Right. There was definitely something wrong with the legal side of all of this. Yeah. And there very much was. And they said that they would call the sheriff if there was a problem and the sheriff would report three days later because he's overseeing a large amount of area. The whole county. Yeah. yeah. He's overseeing the whole county. So, and if they had, they would just be there constantly because this guy was always burning somebody's house down, killing or shooting somebody. Right. It's unbelievable. They really did need their own police mm-hmm. out there. Um, for those of you who don't live in the U.S., a county is sometimes as big as like the state of Rhode Island in yeah. some states. It's huge. Or densely populated. Yes. Even if it's a small area, it's densely populated. New York City is only a couple of miles, but there's a lot of freaking people millions in there. And millions of people. So, all right, the pop, oh, 280. The population's 280 now. And there's been a stream of violence ever since. Yeah, yeah. I, I looked up all of the things. So they kind of quickly mentioned um, a whole bunch of crimes that have happened since then. Because the people in the town that they interview assert that, like, this was it. This is the, this is the only time something like this has ever happened. And the reporter that is covering it is like, no, <laughs> there's been a, a bunch of things that have happened since then. Yeah. In a town of such a small size... Mm-hmm. For all of these big tragic events to happen. Yeah, so like some, some places call it a curse. The curse of Skidmore. So Wendy Gillenwater in the year 2000 was stomped to death by her partner. Mm-hmm. April 11, 2001, Branson Perry disappeared from his home after mm-hmm. going back out to the shed to grab jumper cables. He mm-hmm. just vanished. Vanished. Uh, Bobby Joe Stinnett, who was a relative of Perry's, was the victim of fetal abduction in 2004. She met a friend online who was pretending to be pregnant, cut the fetus out of her belly. She died. Her uterus, not belly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And they said that the famous outlaw Jesse James was killed in Skidmore. Really? So maybe that's the origin of the curse. It could very well but be. prior to his death, lots of residents would provide hideouts for him and his gang. So that could be karma. It's so funny. It kind of reminded me of Jesse, you know, it kind of reminded me of Jesse James that like swarthy. Yeah. Yeah. Crime person that just kept getting away with doing really awful shit. 
So they're wondering, is it a curse or is it just the fact that like violence begats violence? Once you know that you have the capacity to commit that kind of violence and no one's going to do anything about it. Right. Why right. would you? I mean, yeah. the, the incident with um, Branson Perry, they said that he might have been involved with the sale of uh, methamphetamine, I think. Which makes sense because it's a dwindling population. It's a town that's... That's where you see this kind of drug issues. Right. Because there's no other way to make a living. No no way to make a living and generational trauma that we're trying to get away from. Poverty. Things like that. Yeah. I'm sure in this area of the world, it was a lot of manufacturing that ended up going overseas because shit got expensive. Mm -hmm. And it's terrible. And this is why we're in the problem that we're in. (laughs) Thanks, Ronald Reagan. I hate it here. And then it ended with a quote from my friend Britt. No limit on murder or conspiracy. Britt, I loved Britt. He was (laughs) fabulous. And I liked enjoying, like, these are just good, they're just good salt of the earth people. And it's like the old adage, you can't hate everybody. It's hard to hate somebody up close. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan. Yes. Imagine if notorious criminals started a band together. What would be the name of their first hit single? And what genre would it belong to? Obviously metal. Okay. Ob- actually, obviously gospel. <laughs> Gospel's better. Um, obviously gospel, and it would be I Done It. <laughs> I Done It. I Done It. Their band name would be No Direction instead of One Direction. <laughs> oh, that would be good. Low Direction. <laughs> Low Direction. Low Direction. The gospel, the gospel band, Low Direction, and their thing, I Done It. For Christ. (laughs) There you go. All right. (laughs) Kayla, if you were a detective investigating a crime committed by mischievous squirrels, what would be the key piece of evidence you'd look for in their tiny squirrel hideout? I'm picturing you trying to wiggle into the squirrel hideout. I'll just send Luna in there. Murder them all. Uh, That'd be wise. Squirrel crimes? Yeah. I was gonna say I would look for like nutshells. I was gonna say nut they shells. would be there either way in their in their little house. That's true. A little teeny tiny knife. A little teeny tiny knife. Yeah, from like a Barbie tea set or something. Yes. Or what would a squirrel's motive be? I would. Look for, I would look for a tiny map of uh, food st- food cache locations, but from a different squirrel. <laughs> One squirrel stole the other one's map. <laughs> you know how they keep maps. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah, they're a little behind us technologically, but it's even impressive that they can make a nap. Kayla, picture this. You stumble upon a secret underground lair belonging to a group of criminal garden gnomes. <laughs> what would their signature heist do? What would be their signature target heist? And how would they execute their plan with their tiny gnome tools? <laughs> They would, um, their heist target would be mushrooms, I think. Okay. Not magic mushrooms. I just, I don't know, gnomes and mushrooms go together for me. I, I and was... I feel like they would use their tools to scale like a um, greenhouse or something. I don't know where you grow mushrooms, but. Usually you grow them in shit. <laughs> well, I mean, they're, they grow from decay, but. Yeah. Who knows? You could probably use a greenhouse for that. I was thinking they would like break out their other the other garden gnomes that are like trapped in like you know white supremacist gardens oh okay i like that too i don't know why i think the gnomes are liberal i'm just really hoping wasn't there someone on tiktok that found out that 
that was like a code word for something with the white supremacist groups. Gnomes? Yeah. Really? Yes, because she was like, I thought I was, I thought I, the, the I really algorithm was just giving me these little gnome videos because I love that kind of stuff. And she's like, and it ended up being white supremacist shit. I really don't want to Google white supremacist gnomes. Jordan. Nazi gnome? What? Jordan. What? If you are a detective in a quirky small town where cats mysteriously start vanishing every full moon. Oh, uh, oh no. What peculiar and un- unexpected culprit would you suspect behind the feline disappearances? It was me all along, and I just want the cats. To you were just hoarding me. Yeah. <laughs> I was just hoarding the cats. That's not an unexpected culprit. I would expect that. You wouldn't expect crime out of me. I'm very wholesome. I was gonna say it. Maybe it's the cats themselves, and they're turning into were cats or something. Every full moon, Quinn is a were cat every day. True. Luna is Luna, so she lives by the moon. Quinn is Quinn just wakes up and chooses violence every day. True. Yes, it's a void thing. A black cat void. They're void cats, yeah. Mm-hmm. We both we we're both full of just tabbies and black cats. These are always so much fun. Yeah, I mean, this was a short one today. It was, but it was such a good episode. It's really interesting that mob. It's like mob mentality, justice, mob mentality, right? Which I am not in favor of, but it kind of went past mob justice and mob mentality, and it went by people were in danger. Mm-hmm. But you could, I mean, you could easily say the same thing about a lot of stuff. Like I was just, I was thinking, relating this to the murder that recently happened on the New York subway. Mm. And that guy, the guy that was murdered was like terrorizing people at the time or just making them feel unsafe. Mm-hmm. And um, he had done some other crimes before. Mm-hmm. And I very much feel like it wasn't, it still wasn't appropriate to execute him. Like for that one person to decide Right. I have the power to execute this person. Right. But at the same time, in New York City, you have access to cops. They're everywhere. So it's, right. it's not like in this town or in those communities. Like mm-hmm. I was saying before, they had access to the resources of A, access to the resource of the law, and B, trust that the law would carry out the law. Right. And in this situation, we have longitude. This man was terrorizing over decades. Yeah. And it was the same group of people that were isolated, had limited resources. It almost seems like like an episode of Snapped where a you know an abused person in in a, in a romantic relationship is abused for so long they finally say I can't take it anymore. You know, the cops aren't doing anything. I call the cops, they keep sending me back to this person and they snap and they kill them. Yeah. It seems like that on a grander scale. Yeah. It's the whole town. Yeah, it's just the whole town. And they sat down and they discussed it, which, you know, is premeditation, but it's also like, okay, what else can we do? And they talked about it and it's nothing. It's they didn't have anything else to do in their minds. Can you run him out of town? Right. And say, look, you know, this is, is this the person that you go up to him and say, leave if you ever come back or putting a bullet in your head? He wouldn't care. He wouldn't. No. Yeah, I'm... I'm very interested in mob justice as it happens on social media, too, like on on TikTok and stuff like that. Um, I think it's terrible. I don't think people should. I think people lead with their emotions. Like people are very influenced with with social media to feel a certain way and aren't checking in with themselves. Like, is this what this video wants me to feel and who's benefiting from making me feel this way? Correct. They just do feel that way and act on those feelings without really thinking into it any deeper. There is that recent woman who... 
there was like controversy because I, I didn't watch the video because I don't care. Um, but apparently she was being accused of like stealing a city bike from these black guys that were, she was a white woman and stealing it, meaning like a city bike is something. If for those of you who don't know, you rent it. Yeah. And then you have to give it back. And then I think you pay for whatever time you used. And she had a receipt in her hand the entire fucking time that she had rented the bike. So she wasn't taking it away from them. But before that came out, people went ahead and like doxed her, found out where she worked, tried to get her fired, like mm-hmm. because of this short video where you don't get the whole context. And then it ended up that she was right all along. <laughs> right. And people are tend to be much more unhinged on the internet because there are very little consequences. You wouldn't say something to a person mm-hmm. that you would say to them on the internet because you have a huge barrier. And right. I'm listening to... An anonymity. An anonymity. Too. I'm listening to um, Soul Boom, which is Rain Wilson's book. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I recommend it, actually. It was very, very good. And it talks about a spiritual revolution. And he owns Soul Pancake, Soul Pancake. And there was a video up about white privilege and a young person, this young man commented on the video saying, I grew up poor. How do I have more privilege than a black person? Which is a question. Um, And they jumped down his throat. And it, who, who jumped on the it? comments? The oh, people oh, oh, in the oh. comments jumped down. The, the the internet, the liberal internet at large, yeah. jumped down his throat and said, "You're a racist, and you don't know what you're talking about, and you're for a asking a question, right?" And it was a it was a fair question. It was slightly, you know, antagonistic. It was, it was slightly antagonistic. It was slight. It showed some ignorance, but he was asking a question, which is what you should do moment, when yeah. you're ignorant, and. Somebody, uh, you know, a white supremacist slid into the comments and said, hey, this is what we've been saying all along. These people are jumping down your throat. They don't understand what you've been through. You should come here and hear some links. Christ. And then that's, and that's the... <laughs> well, that's how, yeah, that's how people become radicalized. That's how people become radicalized because you, you know, the mob mentality, you get... You bad, bad, bad. Because what's happening is that you're othering that person. You're mm-hmm. almost ostracizing that person. Yeah. So where are they going to go now? And I'm not saying like it's it's those people's fault for no. turning. It's the Nazis' fault for turning. If he, they turn him into a Nazi, it's their fault. Correct. And his fault for not having better ju- judgment. But correct. Um, yeah, that's how radicalization happens, and it's yeah, it's no good. And I don't. I think that's part of the reason why I've been ter- terrified to get on the internet. Is like, what if somebody decides one day that they want to hate me for some reason, then they dox me and ruin my entire life. Like, that's terrifying. It is. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's horrifying. And it's so easy to do. And the only good news about the internet is, you know, the party moves along pretty quickly. Yes. Um, What are they leaving in their wake? Who knows? Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen to the tattoo gate lady? She's actually getting a free tattoo. No, no, no. The one who screwed her over. Oh, uh... I think comments are turned off. Oh, I I did and <laughs> I watched the LuLaRoe documentary. And so of course I just go on a deep dive. De- Deanne Stidham, the owner of LuLaRoe. Yes. Her Instagram is private. I'm not surprised. I'm not either, but she's very much like a cult of personality person. She is. Um, so the fact that her Instagram is private, so no dopamine feeds for her, that's gotta be a real bummer. So we love that. 
Yeah. Um, She's not a good person. No, she is not. No, she is not. Um, So we have all those recommendations for you. You can watch The Rise and Fall of LuLaRoe, which is on Max. Uh, You can read Soul Boom by Rain Wilson. And I just finished um, A Small Light on uh, Hulu and Disney Plus, and that was excellent. Um, I just watched Alice in Borderland, and I loved it. It's a Japanese show, but it was really good. Look at that. Look at us. Look at us. Here we are to help you. Um, So you can find us at BioPsychPod on Instagram and on Facebook by, are you okay? (laughs) I'm batting my eyelashes. You're so pretty. Um, And on Facebook at BioPsychoSocial. We always say fuck Twitter. Fuck them all, actually. But uh, mostly fuck Twitter. Mostly fuck fuck Elon Musk. I don't want to fuck Elon Musk. No. Did you see he had a failed like live stream or whatever the fuck he's calling it now with Ron DeSantis? Oh, God. It, it was for Ron DeSantis to um, announce his presidential campaign. Mm. And um, God help us. <laughs> I hate it here. Somebody, somebody on Twitter said that Elon accidentally made him a host. So he's like, so he shut the meeting down. <laughs> no, I would have put the backdrop to be in Disney World. <laughs> you couldn't see anyway. It was just voice chat. But still. I would have just said, it's a small world. I'm sure just to fuck with him. That's where Jared Kushner is. Um, that's a small world ride. <laughs> He's very excited about Ron It's a small world after all. Do you think Ron? No, Ron DeSantis wouldn't go to Disney World to bust out Jared Kushner from the It's a Small World ride. I'm just picturing him in the primordial soup that is the It's a Small World. Yes, water. Oh God! Imagine like having that big of feelings about a fucking theme park, right? Such big feelings. You could always not go. <laughs> it is expensive. They don't want you anyway. They don't want you to go anyway. All right. You can find us on the things. Have a nice day. Take care of each other. And love to our patrons. Thank you for being patient with us. Thank we love y'all. you so much. Okay, bye. Bye. bye.